Good morning. My name is Valerie Leonard. I am the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. I want to say thank you so much for joining us. If you're here, please uh, take a moment to introduce yourself. Let us know where you're from. And if you have any questions, um, please feel free to post them in the comment section. And after the presentation, I will answer the questions. All right. So for those of you who have been following along, you know that this is the month that we're focusing on human resources, and that's in the Nonprofit Utopia community. We shared with you some conversations on creating the ideal culture and structure. And if you want, you can go to our YouTube channel and see those past videos. Hi, Danielle. How are you? It's so great to see you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions, any comments, please feel free to share. And that goes for any one of you who is listening today. So as I was saying, we focused, we started off with a conversation on creating the ideal structure for your organization, which will accommodate and even impact your culture. We talked about what culture is as well as you know how you can make sure that it's a strong culture right and then we also focused just yesterday on what makes a toxic culture we shared with you 12 signs of a toxic culture but not only did we share the 12 signs we also shared strategies as to how you can fix that and i want to let you know and you probably know but want to manage expectations any change process in your organization is going to take time it's going to require buy-in from your leaders as well as your employees so um, these are not overnight fixes but they are definitely um, potent fixes all right so you can go to our youtube channel and check out the latest videos okay Hi, Margaret. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. We've got attorney Margaret Boyd. She's checking in from Chicago from LinkedIn. Thank you so much. All right. If you have any questions or comments afterwards, I will uh, share, but feel free to post in the meantime. And I'm going to share my screen and get into our presentation. All right, so we're going to talk about ways that you can develop an employee handbook. And this is going to be a handbook that will create win-win situations for you as the nonprofit employer, as well as for the employee. We want to share with you how to create a very detailed document that will not only protect your interests as a nonprofit, but it will help the employee to understand, you know, what's expected of him or her. And you can also use it as a marketing tool to, you know, recruit and retain your employees. All right. So without further ado, we're going to have at it. So uh, the first thing is it should be obvious, but it's not always obvious to everyone. Uh, what is an employee handbook? An employee handbook is a manual that really gives employees a detailed overview of the policies that are specific 
to your nonprofit organizations along with other key procedures, guidelines, and employee benefits. And remember that every organization is different. Some people have a separate handbook that's um, basically very general for the employees, and then they have the policies in a different handbook. I would suggest, you know, to the extent possible, that you would have the policies in your handbook as well, so employees can have everything in one place. So in a nutshell, a handbook clears, it sets the clear expectations for your employees and it outlines their rights. But as I indicated before, it cuts the risks for you as an organization because you are going to make sure that everything that's in this book is reviewed by an attorney. And an attorney is going to make sure that your handbook is in compliance with local employment laws um, and federal and local laws as they, you know, relate to organizations in general. And basically, the handbook is a crucial introduction to your organization for new hires. It sets the tone immediately um, as to what your culture is going to be like. And hopefully, once they read it, they can begin to adopt the appropriate mindset and understand what's expected of them. They'll understand your mission and core values, and it'll give them too an opportunity to think, you know, is this really a good fit for me? And of course, you might be wondering, why do you need an employee handbook, especially if you are a new organization that may not have but one employee? And in fact, you may not even have any employees, but I would suggest that even if you have no employees and if at some point you plan to have employees that you can start working on this document so you'll have it, you know, at the appropriate time and then also make sure that you review it to make sure it's still current. So there are eight reasons why you should have an employee handbook. Um, The first one is it introduces your employees to your culture mission and core values. It also communicates to employees what is expected of them. Remember yesterday we talked about one of the signs of a toxic environment being lack of communication. Well, this can be used as a tool that can help clarify um, what's expected. It can also clarify some of the norms and lines of authority. It educates employees about what they can expect from management and leadership. And it also helps ensure that key company policies are clearly and consistently um, uh, communicated. And the key for you in nonprofits is you have to make sure that you consistently enforce the rules, right? Otherwise, you leave yourself open for lawsuits. Uh, It also showcases the benefits that you offer. It ensures compliance with federal and state laws. And the only way it can really ensure compliance is if you enforce the rules um, that are outlined by the federal and local government. It helps defend against employee claims. And then it also provides information about where employees can turn for help. So it, it helps employees to kind of navigate the lay of the land, you know, in your absence. Or when they come to you, 
they will be able to ask more informed questions. All right, so the first section will be the introduction. And in that section, generally you wanna include things like a letter from the CEO or executive director. You wanna talk about the history and mission and vision and core values of the organization. And that will give the new employee a really you know, good sense for you know, the culture. And the rest of the book will give him even more, but you know, this will give him a good sense for whether or not this is a good fit for him. All right, so under section one, we're going to include things like general employment policies. And although we're using the word general, you know, this really kind of sets the tone and, and lays the groundwork for the things to come in the book. Um, it lets employees know that they this is at-will employment. Illinois is an at-will state. So if you're watching this and you're not from the state of Illinois, make sure that um, your handbook is filtered, you know, through the eyes of the law of your state. But Illinois is an at-will state, meaning that um, when employees come, there is no contract. You can let them go at any time and they can leave you at any time. You want to have things like a statement of non-discrimination. And remember, we talked yesterday about um, toxic environments and, you know, what creates discrimination. Uh, we talked about adverse impact versus, you know, some of the adverse actions that you can take. Um, you want to include language about the sexual um, harassment policy, if there's um, a policy on harassment in general. In fact, I would recommend that you include a policy on harassment in general. I've seen too often where employers and employees just kind of throw that word harassment out. Um, you want to define what harassment is and talk about your employee, uh, your, uh, your rules and policies as they relate to harassment in general, as well as sexual harassment. You wanna talk about disability accommodations. You wanna talk about ethics and conduct expectations. And remember we did a video a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago actually, on ethics. And so you might wanna look at that video on ethics. We did talk about a code of conduct there. You also want to talk about the ownership of work materials, you know, who actually owns the intellectual property that is created on your dime, uh, conflict of interest policy, whistleblower policies, you know, how do you protect people who blow the whistle on unfair practices? You want to let people know that they have access to their personnel files and then, you know, understand the boundaries and then to uh, make sure too that there's a confidentiality policy and non-disclosure. You want to be able to protect your organization's secrets at all costs, all right? So the next section is gonna focus on employment status. So in this picture, you can see um, employees. They could be regular employees. They could be independent 990 
contractors and if they're regular employees um they you know they're subject to the employee handbook the independent contractors you want to make sure that there's delineation between um what they can and cannot do because you really don't want to get into a, a situation where you have 990 contractors you're treating them as employees and then you end up with a big tax liability all right so there really should be delineation as to how independent contractors uh, or 10 the 1099 employees are treated versus regular workers and some of you may even have contractual workers and one example being um, your executive director so you want to make sure all of those different statuses are spelled out you want to talk about your introductory period usually that's a 90-day probation you know some organizations have longer periods some have shorter but you want to make sure that that's spelled out and then you want to talk about the categories are folks full-time are they part-time what does that mean section three you want to talk about recruiting and hiring right so you want to talk about the legal obligations that you have in your hiring process that's why it's really important that a lawyer look at your handbook and then at a very minimum you're going to need to cover your policy on eligibility to work in the united states all right we don't want to create a situation where you're inadvertently exploiting people who are not citizens all right so in addition to those basics nonprofit hr recommends that you also have sections that refer to or rather subsections that refer to job postings and employee referrals um, the employment applications process the employment reference checks policy um, policy on employment of relatives uh, relocation expense policy process for reemployment of former staff members you know like how long must they be gone before you bring them you know before you can bring them back or how long they must be gone uh, before you can enter into a contractual relationship with them um, the employment offers policy um, position descriptions your promotion policy the reclassification policy and the transfer policy um, the more information you have hopefully the more clear you are but then too you have to walk a balance it's a tightrope because also the more information you have the uh, more difficult and I can't say impossible but the more tedious your defense will be when you actually have to go to court <laughs> or arbitration to defend an action you know that a former employee or current employee might bring all right so section four you want to talk about compensation and salary administration so at a very minimum you want to talk about timesheet policies you know what a typical work week is um, when the timesheets are collected you might even want to have a sample um, as to what a completed timesheet would look like 
talk about overtime and talk about the pay periods. Um, I know um, some organizations actually provide an Excel spreadsheet that will give you a schedule of the pay period so that employees can, you know, watch for themselves. So in addition to those basics, um, you might want to include things like your compensation philosophy. See, that's another thing that helps people to really understand the culture of your organization. Um, help people understand pay deductions and set-offs, the direct deposit process, um, the personnel data changes process, the administrative pay corrections policy, um, time off with pay policy, and then the pay advance policy. And you may or may not have all of these policies, but if you do, you should make sure that that's spelled out in a clear way. And again, have an attorney as well as an HR professional to review this. All right. Um, section five should have general workplace policies. And at a very minimum, they should include the following um, things like work hours, attendance and punctuality expectations. And be sure, too, that when you're in leadership, that you're also modeling these policies so that people are more likely to follow them. Um, you should include safety protocols, um, workplace violence prevention smoking in the workplace, drugs in the workplace, security inspection policies, your policies around acceptance of gifts, gratuities, and services policy, especially, you know, th this should be for everybody, but you especially want those policies for people who have authority over contracts. They're issuing RFPs. You don't want to have a situation where vendors are giving employees gifts so to speak, you know, with the expectation that they'll win certain contracts. You also want to indicate, you know, who's authorized to sign the contracts and agreements. And then you also want a communications policy to let people know um, what the process is for dealing with the press. You also ideally would have one point person who is coordinating any contact with the press so that you can, one, protect the organization um, from a legal perspective. Also, you want to protect the organization's image. And you really, really, really don't want everybody um, going off half cut, giving their independent views, right? You want to make sure that there is a company line, so to speak, and one, maybe two spokespersons at the most. And all of that should be vetted you know, by HR as well as communications. All right, so in addition to those must-haves, you probably also want to include your policies on work breaks, your lactation breaks policies, emergency closing policies, you know, um, for example, you know, what happens if, you know, there's a, a power outage, right? And it stops work, right? What happens there? Um, flexible work arrangements, your personal appearance or dress code. You want to talk about the open door policy and housekeeping policy. 
And then um, other policies to consider might be visitors in the workplace, children in the workplace, staff travel recommendations, your corporate credit card policy, your political activity policy, and solicitation policy. And remember that nonprofit organizations, they can be engaged in political activity, but it has to be nonpartisan in nature, meaning you cannot support a particular candidate. If you're going to give one candidate access you know, to a meeting, then you need to open it up to all candidates. You also can engage in nonpartisan uh, non voter education sharing with people different um, issues in the community and uh, you can even develop what you would think would be you know an ideal platform you know to to uh, to inform other candidates or all candidates but you cannot take a uh, a partisan position you can't uh, be Democrat or Republican you can't support a particular candidate, but you can encourage people to go vote. You can register people to vote. You can educate people about the issues and processes. All right. Section six is employment benefit programs. And here's a really good opportunity to market your program and uh, provide incentives for people to stay. And if your organization has the budget to do so, um, you should provide you know, what the medical and vision benefits look like. Talk about flexible spending accounts. Um, if you offer transit and commuting, commuting benefits, you know what those are. Um, life insurance and disability insurance benefits. If you have EAP programs, um, you should talk about those here. The retirement savings plan, what's expected from you, the employer, what's expected from them, the employee, um, any statutory benefits, including workers' comp, Social Security, unemployment, better known as FICA, right? Education assistance, if you offer it, and benefits continuation after you leave. Um, the seventh section should include employee leave, so that would be things like holidays and vacation, sick leave policies, um, family medical leave, military leave, jury duty. And here it's really important to, um, to make sure that this section is reviewed by an attorney. It is very easy to not... Uh, it's very easy to what, inadvertently discriminate between men and women and then people of different age groups with this policy. So this is something you have to be very, very careful with. And then you can also include things like your personal leave policy, you know, whether or not that's paid or unpaid, um, leave for bereavement, parental leave, medical leave pregnancy, unpaid leaves of absence, court leave, time off to vote, and other mandates that your state may have. And then section eight, we're going to look at property, right? How is personal 
property treated versus property that is owned by the organization. You might also talk about document retention policies. You know, there are certain documents that should be held on to forever. There's some that should be held on for three years, some um, 10 years or whatever. But that policy needs to be spelled out to employees so that they're not destroying documents that the organization is going to need if called upon by a funder or by a government agency. You also want to talk about your phone and mail systems policies, your computer usage policies, social media policies, smartphone issuance, and usage while driving. And then also talk about the usage of uh, cell phones, personal cell phones during working hours. You know, how is that allowed? Other items can be, you know, again, how you're going to treat personal property versus property of the organization, the general use of the organization's equipment, and then the internet usage. And really, you want to talk about security as well, cybersecurity. Section nine, employee conduct and performance, you know, things like uh, personal relationships in the workplace, how people should conduct themselves. You know, again, um, employee ethics plays a role in this section. Um, progressive discipline, you know, in the event there is a problem employee in terms of being able to actually fulfill the requirements of the job, do it well, or um, the person's behavior becomes somewhat intolerable. You need to spell out, you know, what the progressive discipline is, you know, um, first strike, you know, you get a warning, second strike, you know, what happens, and third, and then, you know, what happens um, in the event that you have to fire the person. And then if there are conflicts, you know, there needs to be a documented process for conflict resolution. And if you tuned in yesterday, you can look at our video and we do share some conflict resolution strategies in yesterday's video. All right. So you might also think about including um, things like outside employment policies, your performance evaluation process. And that performance evaluation process, if you have a performance management system in place that is looking at the whole organization and, you know, looking at the metrics across the board for every department to make sure that the organization is um, running as efficiently as possible. And then also looking at the way you evaluate your program. So all of that stuff needs to be in alignment with your mission and vision, but you also need to um, indicate how the employee fits within all of these performance mechanisms and what's required of them. Um, then you want to also talk about employee relations and then a suggestion program. All of those things, again, help to inform culture. It also helps to um, solicit feedback from employees it gives you an opportunity to provide, you know, ongoing back and forth feedback. 
Section 10, separation from employment. So what happens once an employee leaves? You know, either, you know, they quit the job voluntarily or you have to fire them or they retired, whatever. You know, you need to have policies around um, in, you know, those different instances and even death, right? And then you need to speak about the property. You know, what happens to the intellectual property? What happens to the physical property? And, you know, what happens in your relationship, right? Um, once you leave, will they be covered by health care? And then they also need to be reminded of their HIPAA rights. All right. So the last thing is the employment uh, the employee acknowledgement form. You want to create a form that um, the employee can sign indicating that he or she has read the, you know, has received the copy of the handbook and they have read it, right? And you want to sign it, you meaning, you know, whoever is handling personnel and the employee, you know, so you have on record um, for your uh, for your organization's purposes, um, that this person has received the handbook, all right, and has read it, and they also have a copy. And that will also serve you in court if the event arises. All right, so if you have any questions, feel free to post. Um, if you are in the Nonprofit Utopia community, I will be posting um documents that you can use as a basis for your handbook. I'll even have a Word document that you can fill in the blanks and tailor to your own organization's needs. Uh, whatever documents you create, I strongly suggest that you have an attorney as well as an HR professional look through um, to protect the organization. And then I'll also be sharing other resources that you can use all right so if there are no questions um i'm going to let you go but before i do let, let's see what the comments have been oh thank you attorney Boyd. very informative information i'm interested in working in the nonprofit arena any suggestions as to how to get started? Yeah, I got a lot of suggestions. Margaret, um, I don't know if you're still connected, but you can inbox me on LinkedIn or you can email me at Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. Got a lot of resources for folks who want to get started. I coach people on starting their nonprofit organizations, um, getting it done the right way the first time. Um, I have also, I'm also going to be facilitating a workshop within about two weeks with the Monroe Foundation, walking people through that whole process of starting their organizations, letting them know what forms they need to complete and all of that good stuff. So if you have any questions about that, again, email me at ValerieFLeonard at nonprofitutopia.com. 
and I can share information on all of those different resources. All right. So I want to say thank you guys again for tuning in. And if you're a member of the Nonprofit Utopia community and you want to set up office hours and continue this conversation, then we can do so. All right. So I don't see any other questions. Ah, okay, great, Margaret. Yes, please contact me. There's several, yeah, several options for you. And you as an attorney, um, maybe, you know, once you get up to speed on this process, you can make that, you know, part of your wheelhouse of services as well. All right, so definitely contact me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and all that good stuff. Alrighty, so I'm going to do my Baptist close <laughs> for the third time. I am going to go. I, I don't see that there are any questions or comments. And um, we're going to store this video on YouTube you know, for your future reference. All right. So thanks again for tuning in. And you guys take care. All right. Bye-bye.